0: This is the Bema Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host Brent Billings. Today we resume our look at the opening teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and how he sets the stage for his interpretation of Torah. That's
1: right. An interpretation that's going to matter for us that claim to follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior and Rabbi be a big deal. So we want to make sure we understand it correctly. So we're using the Gospel of Matthew. And the way that Matthew articulates this announcement of a new king and a new kingdom. What do we say the Greek word for that was, Brent? Euangelion. 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 Yep. So uh, Matthew and all four gospel writers have a euangelion. They're all going to talk about it slightly differently. We've already done that in our podcast. Matthew's agenda, Matthew's euangelion was about what, Brent? Uh it's about the Mumser, and he's a a Jew
0: writing to Jews giving them a, a perspective on the outsider.
1: And he has a, his own biographical tale if you will that understands this agenda quite well, right? Yeah, he
0: came as a tax collector, pretty outcast kind of guy. Not not the most loved person in the in the region.
1: Right, he would have been a he would have been one of a mini group of people that Good old religious fo- folks, orthodox folks, would have said, "Nope, he is he is forsaken the way he has tossed it in the garbage. He, he sold is, out. He is to the Romans. Sold out to the Romans. He is done so." And this Jesus comes along and says, "Hey, come follow me. You get a second chance because God's wanting everybody at the table." So Matthew wants to convey this. Matthew wants to teach this, and so he does that by starting his gospel where Brent in in
0: the. Brokenness and the genealogy. The genealogy,
1: right? Yeah. So we've got, uh, I like how you worded that, the brokenness in the genealogy. Yeah. He has like, uh, he points out all of the places where his genealogy isn't pretty and isn't perfect because that's his point. Like Jesus has come to be a part of the story. He's come to announce it to those parts of the story. That is what the gospel looks like. And then he talks about the birth narrative, compares this baby born in the corner of the empire in the sheep poo with the most richest powerful, as far as wealth, man, the world's ever seen. Uh, It it talks about him getting kind of set up to his ministry, his baptism, his temptation. It talks about his rabbi getting arrested last week, and, and then all of a sudden it says he moves to Capernaum. And Matthew references this passage out of Isaiah 9 and says a whole new day is dawning. Like light is being shown to the who, by the way, Brent? A light to the... The Gentiles. To the Gentiles. They, the, is that a Mumser group for this uh, Jewish audience? Uh, Well, yeah, I guess. Is that how they consider the Gentiles? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And this is going to be a part of what Matthew's going to try to correct in them is this has actually been our mission all along, but we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Um, But yeah, for them, Gentiles were definitely outsiders, definitely unclean. Definitely outsiders.
0: I just didn't know if that term mumser
1: would be applied to a non-Jew. And We're using it so loosely and so poetically. It's probably a good critique. But um, yeah, so definitely an outsider group and and that's what Matthew says. He moves to Capernaum, and you're like, oh, a message for the for the Jewish people. And Matthew says, No, a light has shown for the Gentiles. What Jesus is going to do in Capernaum is going to have massive implications for a larger, the larger mission of what God's doing with the whole wide world. And so uh he he does that. He shows up in Capernaum, and we're told that he picks up the mantle and starts telling people repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. There's a new king and a new kingdom on the scene. And we're told that as he does the work of the kingdom, how many different groups of people came? Brent? A whole bunch of them. Lots of them. Decapolis. Five or six. Word spread throughout Syria and the Jerusalem people and Judea and the region beyond the Jordan. And all these people are coming because there's a whole new thing happening. There's a whole new day happening. A day is dawning. A new kingdom is here. And so as all these people start to come, we said his disciples probably felt a little, uh, what was the word you used, Brent? I liked it. Uncomfortable. A little uncomfortable. And so he calls his disciples to his side and he says, listen. This is what the kingdom is about. And he has a list that we called the and the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. And he opens kind of like his public teaching in Matthew's gospel. He opens that public teaching, at least to his disciples, with the Beatitudes. And he says, God's favor rests on all these people that you think God's favor isn't resting on. And God is in the middle of the mess both when you're experiencing the mess and when you're trying to engage the mess and you feel like it's not working, that's where God is. Now, if you were to look at all those Beatitudes, Brett, I think you even have them. We won't read them again. Um, but uh, if you look at those Beatitudes, how does it all start? Obviously, blessed are, but go ahead and just give me a, give me a few. Uh, the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay. Blessed are the uh, those who mourn. Blessed are those. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those. Okay. What's the next one? Uh, blessed are the meek blessed are the meek blessed are God. what's the next one blessed are those
0: who hunger and thirst for righteousness blessed
1: are those so there's like a theme of those like blessed are those people right and blessed are and we talked about the first half was kind of like what brent the first half of the Beatitudes kind of uh the kind of inward yeah when you're experiencing the mess but then the back half of the what could be a chiasm was what uh was the the outward expression like when you're trying to deal with the mess and you also are experiencing the mess, not inwardly, but almost outwardly, um, as you try to address the chaos, right? But it's all those, like all the beatitudes, are those. And if if you've ever studied the beatitudes, I've just recently wrestled with this, actually, quite recently, as in the last just this year, is looking at and continuing to pour over this passage, which I just feel like there's so much more to still learn about it. Uh, I noticed the pronouns that were being used. It's all. It's all. It's all those people, and if you've ever studied the Beatitudes, what is it that bothers you right at the very end, Brent? You're you're kind of you've got kind of an analytical, obsessive, compulsive mind like mine. There's, I've always been bothered by the Beatitudes at the very end. Why? Well, the persecution. Yeah, and what what is it that bothers you about the persecution? Uh, they're persecuted because of righteousness.
0: Which yes, doesn't really seem very nice,
1: <laughs> right? It always bothered me. This is going to show way too much of my like obsessive compulsive nature, but it always bothered me that there were two persecution statements. Like you already said that you already said, blessed are those that are persecuted. And then you come back in the next line and you say it again, right? We oh, we stopped sure. last uh, last podcast on purpose. I had you stop right before this verse. Right. So let's pick up, we're not going to skip one single verse. We said, let's pick up right in the next verse and watch
0: what happens to the pronouns. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say
1: all kinds of evil against you because okay, stop. of me. All right. So we said that the pronouns for the Beatitudes were what? Blessed are those. Blessed are those. And, and I suggested that Jesus is pulling the disciples aside because of these whole crowds and saying, listen, those people, those people have God's favor. But then the last statement was blessed are... You. You. Which who would the you be? The disciples themselves. The disciples themselves. And so I feel like what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, this is what kingdom looks like. And if you go pursue this, what do you think is going to happen to his disciples? You think everybody's going to love this message?
0: Insults, persecutions.
1: Yeah. All kinds of evil things being said about them. Because this isn't this isn't the story that people want. People want the happy story. People want the happy ending. You're going to go tell people that God's favor rests on the poor in spirit. You're going to go tell people that the Gentiles aren't outsiders, but they're actually insiders. Buckle up because the pronoun changes. It's not blessed are those. It's blessed. So let's go ahead and start over on that last statement or that verse there that we're starting with and listen to that pronoun and realize Jesus is now directing this statement at the disciples.
0: Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you.
1: All right. So Jesus has come saying this whole new, this new day is dawning. There's a new king and a new kingdom. And hey, disciples, this is what this kingdom looks like. And if you sign on to be a part of this, this is going to be difficult. But this is what the prophets and all the people that came before you were all trying to get at. This is going to be worth it. All right. Let's, let's keep pressing on and see what the next... all right, let's just take a 10,000-foot view of this first, make some general observations, and then give us some context here. So Jesus says, this is going to be hard work. If you buy into these pronouncements of Beatitudes and you believe this is what the kingdom looks like, this is going to be hard work. You're going to be persecuted, but this is what God's people have always been called to. But you have to do this because you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Like, this is the mission, and you are the hope of the world, in essence. Um. So you are this hope of the world, and if you give people the opportunity to see the kingdom at work, what they're going to see is they're going to see your good deeds, and what are they going to do, Brent, the passage says? Glorify your Father in heaven. All right. So so Jesus says you have to show people what kingdom looks like. People aren't going to understand it. People aren't going to think that this is what it is. People already think they understand what kingdom is. But you have to go show them what kingdom really is so that when they see it, they know what God looks like. They know what God's up to. And they glorify God. They glorify your Father who is in heaven. Um, this is going to be this 10,000-foot view. But let's add some context. And we've already... Let's review something we did all the way back in session two. Um, Episode 35, we said, uh, was two episodes after the intro of session two. We talked about the crossroads of the earth, and we talked about um, God putting his people in Shephelah. Why? Well, to use Jesus' language, because they needed to be salt and they needed to be light. Like, they needed to impact a broken world. They needed to bring shalom to chaos, and so in that episode, we talked about tells. Now tell me about a tell, Brent. What was that?
0: Uh, that's like uh, where you build up a city. Basically, you have a certain number of resources available, and so you build your
1: city there. You had to have like uh, water. You had to have commerce. You had to have a way to defend yourself. So a city was always built in a particular place. And you couldn't just like when the city was destroyed, you couldn't just build, move over and build a new city because you'd be wasting what? All those great resources you yeah. had available. All that precious farmland that you have around your city. And so instead of moving the city over, you just build a city on top of the old city. You pile up some dirt. You put the new city. And so in a tell is a large hill that when you excavate it has multiple cities layer upon layer upon layer sitting underneath it. And so what you end up having over time is a city on a what? On a hill. You have a city on a hill, right? So that's what we looked at when we looked at Tells. And when we talked about Tells and we talked about Shafela, we also talked about what other image that drove our conversation there? Uh, The city gates. City gates, right? Because we said when you have your city built on a hill, real estate is of why are you building a city on a hill? Because you you can't put your city anywhere else because we said that real estate was so uh, valuable. And so all your different, like your class system is worked into the city. So you're very rich people. Where do they live in this city? Inside. Within the city walls. That's where you're wealthy. It's the most protective. It's the most comfortable. It's the most convenient. That's going to be your richest real estate. If you're middle class, where are you going to live? In the walls themselves. Do you remember what that was called, Brent? Uh, Casemate housing. Yeah, you got it. Casemate housing. And so the middle class kind of live within the city walls, like a big apartment complex that's built into your city walls. If you're poor and you can't live even in the city walls, like you're maybe lower middle class, you might live out in the villages that were called what? Uh, sisters. Almost. Daughters Daughters Daughters, daughters okay. right So the daughters Well, they, they could be called sisters too If I remember correctly Sisters and daughters Those are your villages That don't have city walls They're not protected But they do kind of support The larger commerce Of the bigger city But then you're really poor Were driven to the town dump Now this city on a hill Has to have a place for sewage And trash Things haven't changed that much in 2,000 years. We still have to have a place for waste. And so, in that city, you have, and we even showed this in some of our pictures, I believe. And you've linked, you're going to link this in the show notes. Yeah. uh, So,
0: if you go to the link for episode 35, the presentation there is going to have a whole bunch of pictures. And if you're listening with a podcast player that supports chapters, uh, these pictures will be magically appearing as we're talking about them.
1: Magically appearing. If you're riding on an airplane, you'll be surprised when you're looking at your phone. It's great. Um, so you'll see like those sewage lines, those uh, the plumbing of the city running right out the center of the city gate because you would always have a place where that plumbing would have to run to. So you have a designated spot out the, outside the city um, where gravity can feed your sewage. Your sewage, and then you don't want to waste land, and so where do you put this? The, where do you put your trash? You put it in the same place. Your sewage and your trash goes to the same place, and it just kind of smolders. You light it on fire, so it just kind of burns. But because of the um, uh, the makeup of the dry versus wet ratio. We're getting into very dangerous I know. territory. I'm, I'm, trying to be, I'm like, why am I talking about this? Uh, it it just sits and smolders, and so they call it like the place where the the worm never dies, and the uh, the fire is never or thirst is never quenched, or the place of never ending fire. Or because I said, who lived there? Where do you have to go, Brent? The poor. The very poor, like you, you have to go there because you can't just live out in the fields. Nobody's going to let you do that, and you need to find some kind of way to survive. And so you go to that trash dump to try to find what what kind of sustenance you can. And so warmth that becomes even what's that a warmth, possibly? I'm not even sure if that was a big part of it, but I can imagine it would be, especially in some colder locations. maybe not sure it's a good good idea.
0: I mean you don't have a roof over your head or anything right no absolutely walls around you,
1: absolutely, and so you go out there and it becomes this place of misery, and therefore they called this same location the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's that grinding of the misery of the poor. Is That weeping and gnashing of teeth, and so they go they go out there and they live by the and so what the city and we already did this with city gates so hopefully this is review for most of our listeners but if we can remember if you're the poor whether you're living in the the daughters and the sister villages whether or not you're living um, at the trash dump when you see city on a hill, if it's done correctly, what should that city be for you uh, it should be like the
0: the thing that you that protects you and right brings all the things from the community together so that everyone has what they need.
1: Yeah, it's like hope. Like that's your that's your picture of hope. Like you're poor, but you understand that there are people in that city that have more than enough. And even though you don't have enough, the the people in the city have more than enough. And so we talked about the city gates were not just a place where that was the courthouse and the town hall and the, but what what else was it, Brent? The uh, welfare system, like the well, yeah, it was the place where people could come and they could get their extra rations and get some extra bowls of this and some extra bottles of that, and it was the place where abundance was kept and then distributed to those who had need. And so, and so, the city really is your hope. And by the way, if you were to come across, let's say you were walking over one of those mountain ridges that we walked in in Israel, and there was some city on a hill, and it was nighttime, and you were looking for that place of rest, you were looking for that place that you could go and be welcome and protected and just find a place to crash for the night. What would that city on a hill look like at nighttime? Uh, Like a, like a big old candle, like a big old light, like a big old candle. I like (laughs) even better. It's like the light. And so these two images that Jesus uses are very deliberate. You are the light of the world, a city. In fact, that's, do you have it in front of you, Brent? Read it again. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. He connects those two, those two ideas directly, right? Light of the world. And a town, so go ahead, keep finishing that.
0: Town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven.
1: I wrote up some notes here for just kind of some closing ideas here to the podcast. The people of God are the hope of the world. I say this fully aware of the famous quote from a famous pastor who once said, The church is not the hope of the world, Jesus is. It's a good point. Point well taken. However, let us be perfectly clear. Jesus plans on being the hope of the world by working through his followers. So while the church is not the hope of the world, Jesus says, Jesus does plan on using his church. I use that term loosely. Jesus does plan on using his people uh, to be that hope to the world around them. This is what he says in the Sermon on the Mount. He tells his disciples, you have to embrace this message of kingdom. You have to embrace this proclamation of God's blessing on people because you are going to be the hope of the world. Those people who are mourning, they're going to find hope in the way that you bring kingdom. Those people that are hurting, those people that hunger and thirst for righteousness, those people who are poor in spirit, they're going to be looking for to you as the hope. And you're going to get to show the world what this looks like. And people are going to see your good deeds. They're going to see kingdom coming in the way that you bless other people. Uh, And and they're going to glorify your Father in heaven. This has always been the case, by the way. God has always been looking for partners. You know what I love about session three? We start to circle back around and use a lot of the same phrases that we used in session one. Like God's looking for partners. Guess where we're back to in session three? God is looking for partners partners. He's looking for city gates. He's looking for Shephelah. He's looking for people that will partner with him. God has always been putting his people at the crossroads of the earth. God has chosen to redeem the world through people choosing to put him on display to a world in chaos. If we are a city on a hill, what will people find when they look to us? Do they find sustenance, compassion, mercy, and justice? Remember that word? What was the word for justice, Brent? Uh, Starts with an M. Mishpat. Mishpat. You got it. Is that what they find when they look to us? Do they truly find a light shining in darkness? Do they catch a glimpse of a God who from day one has been putting the world back together? You are a city on a hill.
0: So all I got for today, Brent. Well, thankfully, uh we have a little bit shorter episode. Yeah. Because we, we split the last episode. We just had too much to talk about, too much to yeah. crave it. so
1: This was supposed to be my closer to last week.
0: But because we have a little bit extra time, I do wanna I do wanna ask you a question. All right. So we talked about uh the city dump, the sewage right. thing. And yes. we talked about weeping and gnashing of teeth. And right. I feel like that's kind of a...
1: It's kind of a buzz buzz phrase. Right. Like We always use that de- as the, like the, that's the description for hell, right? Yeah. And in fact, the word hell is the word, uh, see, can you remember this, Brent? What's the word for hell? Uh, gehenna. Gehenna, right? Uh, word comes from, in the Hebrew, gehenom. That's where gehenna comes from. Gehenna is a borrowed word in the Greek, from gehenom in the Hebrew, and gehenom is the Valley of Hinnom, or as Jeremiah talked about, the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, uh, which was the trash dump. Uh, outside of Jerusalem. The Valley of ben Hinnom is the valley outside of Jerusalem where the trash dump was located. Um, We talked about that, I think, even back in the Jeremiah podcast, if I remember correctly. Um, That's the Valley of ben Hinnom, And so Gehenna is the word that's used for that same image. And so we do correctly attach weeping and gnashing of teeth. We do attach uh, where the worm never dies and thirst is never quenched, uh, where the fire never dies, those kind of things. We do appropriately attach those phrases to the right word we attach it to hell what we often don't realize is that when g Je- and jesus by the way is the one that uses hell the word hell we might be surprised to find out only appears 12 times in the entire bible old testament doesn't use it at all and when it does it's a huge translation interpretive translation by the translators because hell is is not there in the Hebrew. Um, Uh, This word's used 12 times in the New Testament, and 11 of them are used by who, Brent? Well, we've got one by Jesus so far. Yeah. So So maybe uh, the rest of them are him, too? Yeah, the rest of them are him. In fact, the only other one that's going to be used there... um, Oh, man, I always blank on whether it's Peter or uh, James. I think it's James. Uh, The tongue... Uh, set on fire by the fires of hell, if I remember correctly. It might be Peter, though. Um, but yes, Sounds 11 of the 12. James-y. Yeah, I know, uh-huh. right? Uh, 11 of the 12 are used by Jesus, and Jesus always uses them in this sense of wanting to conjure up this picture of the trash dump. It's a place of misery. The picture that's being employed is not a picture of eternal damnation, guy with a red red tights and a pitchfork running around in a place underneath the earth's surface with fire and flames. And that's not the picture they get. The picture that they get is this picture that you're pulling out here of that trash dump, where it's a place of, of poverty. It's a place of misery. It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. In fact, Jesus will even say that in some of his parables, take that servant and throw him out where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. The idea is that you're taking him and you're throwing him outside the city you're, you're putting him outside the place of protection, outside the place of, to the place where his only hope is to say, and he warns the Pharisees. He warns the religious people. He warns all these people that think that they're inside God's city. Be very, very careful because you may look up and find yourself out at Gehenna. And so just to sprinkle in, it's a good question, sprinkle in some, we're not going to do the whole hell thing right now. Uh, in fact, just what we've even talked about here is probably for some of us like enough to make our head like spin and start to go, whoa, wait a minute. Um, and I'll even recommend this book. Uh, people know this is coming. If you made it to session three, it's not the uh, it's not the end of the world. You probably, uh, if this was going to bother you, you left town a long time ago. But Rob Bell wrote a book, Love Wins. Obviously the big provocative book. We'll link that in the show notes. If you don't want to read it, if you hate the book, if you hate Rob Bell, it's fine. You don't have to read it. I'm just saying. Uh, really good, uh, work done there in that book, talking about heaven, talking about hell, talking about the context of those things. So, uh, I recommend it. It's one of my favorite books. Um, and I would say if you feel like you're interested in the conversation, you should read it before you say anything about it. That's always a great idea, by the way. Always read a book before you critique it it's a crazy concept. Uh, but I really thought that book was helpful. doesn't mean you have to agree with everything you read in it, but uh book was very, very helpful for me and many other people. So
0: check it out. Talking you want to, to you about, uh, different books you've read. Uh, you're definitely not one to agree with everything, uh, wholesale in Correct. every book that you read. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You got to think critically, got to think critically, even authors and people that I really, really enjoy. I'll often run across a chapter or a I'm like, oh, man, that just does not sit right with me. I don't like that chapter. I don't like that portion. I think they're off here. We should be able to think that way. Should be able to think critically. And vice versa, a
0: a book that is otherwise a complete dud might have, you know, one little gem in the middle of it somewhere.
1: How many great little nuggets have I found in books uh, I otherwise rated two stars? (laughs) You got any one-star books? Oh, I have lots of one-star books, okay. and I often don't find too many nuggets in those. Yeah. But I'll find them in two-star books and above. You okay. bet. All
0: right. Uh, Well, we might as well keep this episode not too much longer than this. says. 26
1: the- minutes. Boy, it's been a long time. That's session two profit type material. Yeah. Right
0: well, the guy who edits the podcast will be very appreciative, I can tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well uh definitely i mean this is a great one to get in a discussion group with maybe not maybe this is a dangerous one to get in a discussion group i don't know i don't know either way it's always beneficial to wrestle with other people uh and hopefully come to some common ground common understanding learn some new things whatever We've got discussion groups all over the place you can check out bamodestablishment.com you'll find a map uh, they're literally worldwide uh if you want to get a hold of me or marty Uh, We're on Twitter at Marty Solomon and EIBCB. And uh, thanks for joining us on the Baymont Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.